I here's my problem. I don't want to say hello and welcome everybody, uh, or hello everybody and welcome to, because I do that on every single World Eight podcast, and I think I've done it more or less on every single Gamers on the Go. I don't know how to open a show other than saying those words. So, so the two things you don't like are hello and welcome everybody, and hello everybody and welcome. Hello everybody and welcome. It, it's more or less one of those things. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you take a little, uh, a little page from the TPCS book and just say, "Welcome to Gamers on the Go." <laughs> okay. What if What if I just edit this part and now you just said, "Welcome to Gamers on the Go." And what if <laughs> you didn't? Welcome to Gamers on the Go. It's episode seven. I'm your host Chase Kennedy, and along with me, oh, is that where I talk? Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I pointed at the screen, but well, I, now I realize I, you can't see that. No, I can't see into the internet, <sighs> and I refuse to turn my camera on for the Skype call. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to do that either. I've got. I don't, I don't need to be a head in a box. <laughs> Uh, I've got a, a full Borderlands beard going on. Um, <laughs> I've left the house twice since that uh, game came out Tuesday, and that yeah, was well, a bad Well, I'm call. glad you're at least kind of socializing by podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to people. Yeah, That's you're not just talking works. to Claptrap. Uh, yeah, we should we should start over. <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> okay. All right. No, fine. Fuck it. We'll do it. Uh, we'll, no, do, we'll do it we'll live. Do it, we're, do, we're doing it live. <laughs> um, so, episode seven, we're talking about Professor Layton. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, uh, sorry guys that this is coming out a little later than we expected. Uh, Evan and I both had, uh, some reasons to postpone for different weeks. Uh, I'm Evan Killam, by the way. Hi. Uh, <laughs> did you not say your name? No, you pointed at the screen and then we riffed. Damn it. <laughs> this is, this is going really well. This is a, no, this is a really it's smooth start. Yeah. We'll be good. I think the audience is at ease. <laughs> Yes, because like every good show, the host should be the fall guy for everybody. It's okay. There were episodes of uh, my old show where I didn't introduce myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're good. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep rolling. All right, all right. Well, we yes, we do have Evan Killam, the uh, the master podcaster from from such great shows as The Vault, and this podcast contains spoilers. Uh-huh. Yeah, I those those were some great great shows, and I am lucky to have him on here. Um, and we're going to be talking about Professor Layton, the whole series, the entire thing as it is right now. Yeah, yeah, and not done yet. Some of the future, maybe uh, unwound and otherwise. Oh yeah, hey, I I set it up and you knocked it down. Uh. <laughs> oh god, this is we're doing all right. We're, we're doing okay. We're past we're past the awkward beginning, and now yeah. we're going to get into the meat of the show, which will also be awkward in its own way. Yeah, we we're, we moved on to phase B of awkward show <laughs> to super civilization B of show. All right. <laughs> um, so Evan, first Hi. let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the history of the series. 
So far uh, in the United States, we have four games, those being uh, Professor Layton and the Curious Village, Professor Layton and the Diabolical Box, Professor Layton and the Unwound Future, and Professor Layton and the Last Spectre. They they have a naming convention, and they are sticking to it. Yep. And Which is fine. Yeah. We have we have another game that's coming over uh, in October, which is Professor Layton and the Mask of Miracle, or in Japan it's known as Miracle Mask. And uh, and then Japan just got announced, uh, well, it's been announced for a little while, but they showed some more footage of it at TGS, Tokyo Game Show, of Professor Layton and the Legacy of Super Civilization A, uh, which Evan and I discussed off, uh, off air, but that is... Definitely not going to be the name that it comes out in America as. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see what that comes comes to be. But that is, they've announced going to be the last uh, last installment, the last mainline installment of the Professor Layton series. So, the, uh, so on it. the Professor Layton Wikia page, it says Professor Layton and the uh, Osron Legacies. That's that's an interesting title. I could okay. Sure. Uh, it's on Super Civilization A. <laughs> true, true. Uh, I believe Diabol- Diabolical Box was called something about Pandora's Box yep. in Japan, um, which made no sense either. Since, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a jar to begin with, but <laughs> we don't need to get into Greek <laughs> translation thereof. But, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're all slightly different. Which, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Um, well, these games were it first first came about the developers level five, and this is me uh, trying to find the name of the people who make the game, and I'm doing a really bad job. <laughs> Akahiro Hino. There you go. Gosh, this is terrible. Okay. Um, he okay. is he is the president of level five, and he's the producer of the Layton series. Uh, he had this idea that he wanted to make a spiritual uh, spiritual successor sequel to Brain Age, uh, which is the Nintendo uh, produced um, brain, tra- brain brain training kind of puzzle a day thing that you do with your DS uh, that ended up being a big big hit for them and a, a big seller. I call that series a daily panic attack. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never played a Brain Age. But uh, I, I don't want to, because that yeah. just and and I think this is why I like the Professor Layton series so much is that Brain Age doesn't feel like it gives me anything for doing these puzzles. I well, I, I don't feel like I'm getting, attack. huh? Well, daily panic attack. Well, yeah, it, it's it's just okay. This is a test, and yep. then I get a grade at the end of it, and that's it. I'm done. And that didn't that didn't uh, that didn't jive with me. I wasn't happy with that. But Professor Layton, Nakahiro Hino apparently agreed because what he wanted to do was bring in those Brain Age elements uh, and find that same niche that, that played Brain Age. But he wanted to bring a story, get, fill in the gaps of a game like Brain Age by, by adding those story elements and, and giving it some cinematic flair. Uh, yeah. Hmm? Do you remember, like, the first time you heard of a Professor Layton game? Um, and somebody told you there was a plot. Like, do you remember what your reaction was? Because, because mine was, why? <laughs> I, man, I can't even, I can't even remember the first time I heard about Professor Layton. Oh, I, it was just like, 
it's a, it's a puzzle game, though, right? Like, and I mean, there's the famous, um, I have 12 matchstick Penny Arcade, uh, <laughs> comic. Yeah. But it's just like, why, why would, it's a puzzle game, and we're gonna build a plot around it, and are people just gonna go, you know, I'll give you the information, but first answer this puzzle, and people said that with disdain, but then you play it, and that is what people are doing, but you don't care because it's awesome. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I would totally agree. It's it's I mean some some people could say it's like a mystery novel, but sure. I feel like it's a mystery novel with these added puzzles on top because the puzzles have nothing to do with the mystery, more or less. They're, yeah, they're, sometimes, they're, sometimes they do, and when they do, it's kind of weird. Like when it's like open this door. I don't understand how all the doors in Professor Layton have complex locks. That, that must be a terrible place in Leighton, in late in the Leighton universe. Every door seems to have the most ridiculous lock. Sorry. I think I think in a universe where the solving of puzzles is a valid social currency, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Well, I thought. What about hint coins? Are they a social currency as well? No, they are literal currency. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> they like to hide them around. I don't know. They. The, the 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 weird kind of headcanon I came up with was that people, you know, you would give your hint coin to the person giving you the puzzle, and then people who had a lot of hint coins knew that their puzzles were the most tricky. That, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, how? Let me ask you this question, though. How do hint coins even end up in the places that they are? Is there yeah. is there some hint coin fairy or, or like an Easter bunny who, instead of hiding eggs, he hides coins? They scatter them around. The, the coins themselves are a puzzle <laughs> that are basically just pixel hunting. So, but. so there's there's some Professor Layton like person who's trapped in a room. Not not even trapped, just holed up in a room with a bunch of red strings tying different places together with a big conspiracy theory about where all the hint coins are. No, I just like to think that like an old timey biplane flies over and just scatters them. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, I found a hint coin. <laughs> now I can answer this fucking puzzle about how this kid gets home from school. <laughs> okay, well, I, we're, we definitely got off on a tangent that, <laughs> that if you don't know what a hint coin is, you're probably very lost. Although you could, you could probably, you could probably tell what it is. It's a coin that gives you a hint. It's a coin that gives you a hint. Uh, they are scattered around, and you find them by tapping your DS stylus on the, the screen. And if you tap the right place, uh, the hint coin pops out, and then you can unlock a hint to a puzzle that one of these crazy people asks you before they will, you know, serve you lunch that at is, their restaurant. That, that's an excellent description. <laughs> uh I notice as the farther I get into a latent game, uh, I get like hint coin sense. I I do fewer and fewer random taps because I see a flower pot and I'm like it's it's in there. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Definitely. It's. Yeah. I I feel like after playing through the first game, I I now know all the tricks about where a hint coin might be. If there's a street lamp, you always tap on the light first. Like oh, yeah. you, you tap on windows. You tap on chimneys. You, you tap on, on anything that, that seems like a slight anomaly anywhere. Which is weird because none of it actually is. 
anything that just any feature of that screen that just looks like a thing. I don't know. I just like I look at the chimney and it's easy for me to imagine a hint coin popping out of it. So I tap it. Yeah. It's really weird. But I like hint coins. I don't really care how they get there. <laughs> I'm just glad they are. I mean, this is continuing the tangent, but just the the I what I hate about Professor Layton games is when I'm doing the pixel hunt for hint coins, knowing that there's never more than three at a place. Uh, are there always three? I, yeah, I couldn't tell you either. But when I'm tapping on a place and it, it shows me a little dialogue box instead, but I'm still trying to pixel hunt, and I need oh. to figure out where is the point where that dialogue box ends and just <laughs> I can just tap regularly again. Because I'll have Luke telling me, like, oh, look, the sky is blue, 12 times before I go, okay, I, I just shouldn't tap the sky anymore because there's not going to be a hint coin there. It's going to it's gonna be Luke telling me that the sky is blue, and I don't need him to tell me that anymore, because I got it. Just yeah. from the visual, I didn't even need you to say it. Well, he's very helpful. I mean, talk, he talks to animals. Which, <laughs> he can, he can communicate with squirrels. Which we'll get into, I guess, but that's, yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's a, it's a universe you have to learn the rules of, like any video game. And this one is just, like, so close to ours that things like hint coins are weird. Have you ever in your life, though, run out of hint coins? Never. Never no. once. <laughs> it's, There's always plenty of hint coins. It's like Mario Lives at this point. You, yeah. you never run out of Mario Lives. It's how many, I, when can you get to 99? That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we were, we were talking about the, the origins of the series. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of have that idea that it's a spiritual successor to Brain Age, but then um, there's also this guy named Akira Tago, who is a professor at Japan's uh, Chiba University, and he created a series of puzzle books called Head Gymnastics, which is very much where Brain Age kind of comes from as well. But uh, Akira, Akira, you know, Akira, uh, Akira, Akihiro Hino, this is going to be terrible, uh, Akihiro, <laughs> Akihiro Hino enjoyed these books very much, and he, he kind of wanted to bring him into the fold. So he's uh, Akira Tago, the guy who made the, the books, is, is the puzzle master, uh, the quote-unquote puzzle master of all these games. And he's the one who's coming up with, with many of the puzzles, or at least, um, at least inspired all this stuff, whereas now they have puzzle camps where they, uh, they get together and uh, Akira, Akira Tago and some of the other designers for the game will actually uh, just spend a few days together out outside of, of, of work and just outside of everything. They go on like a big trip and they just discuss puzzle ideas with each other and come up with a big list of, of possible puzzles that they then bring back into the game. So and that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar to kind of what they do um, with, the, with uh, some of the Mario games, especially New Super Mario Bros. 2, uh, where... Nintendo has this kind of camp set up uh, where they teach people Mario level design. And through those camps, they actually got a lot of their levels, if not all their levels, from for New Super Mario Bros. 2 uh, from people designing in those camps. Well, and also because if you have kind of the auteur thing happening in the earlier games, one thing I noticed... Uh, 
the only real specific example I can think of is in Diabolical Box. Um, there were different versions of the same puzzle. Like in Diabolical Box, you had you would keep going back to the one place, and the guy had that uh, puzzle from Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is get this amount of liquid into this container using these other containers, right? right? Uh, <clears throat> and I did that like three or four times in that game. And it's easy to imagine, you know, if you just have one person doing all the puzzles, uh, that's bound to happen because it can only come up with so many puzzles. Yeah, definitely. And I, uh, I, I think with the first game, especially the matchstick puzzles oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that were universally hated, I, I didn't think they were too bad. But uh, but you had a lot of them there, and yeah. and they were definitely something that was it was an easy one. Oh, let's just put another matchstick puzzle there, and there were a lot of puzzles in that game. So you've got to you've got to fill some of them with some crap. Yeah, and, but I mean the later ones, it, it seems like there's a lot more variety, and I think the the crowdsourcing is why. Yeah. So, and I and I noticed that. So we get some we get some things from uh, from Brain Age and these head gymnastics and another big inspiration was the uh, Ace Attorney series or the Phoenix Wright games and uh, and Evan I believe you have uh, some insight into this at least I I might I don't know <laughs> <laughs> what's the what uh, well I mean the connection here is that uh, Akihiro Hino said that he wanted to improve some of the bad points of character development of Phoenix Wright with Professor Layton. Phoenix Wright, I guess, I, I love the Phoenix Wright games. Yeah, their characters are kind of shitty. Like, it's all very stilted. I mean, you can see, you can see arcs in, uh, in the Professor Layton games. There's enough to, like, draw out a chronology, right? Mm-hmm. The, kind of the funny thing is that the, the first time I read this was I took it to mean that he wanted to fix some of the bad points of specifically Phoenix Wright's character. So I was trying to figure out what that was. And, you know, Phoenix Wright is not very confident. He's not very polite. He just kind of loses his shit all the time. Uh, Professor Layton is more heroic and stoic and very, very polite. Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's most of the games he discusses about being a true gentleman and what that consists of. What that means, he's he's imparting his gentleman's code onto Luke at all times. Like he knows two things: puzzles and gentlemaning. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, tentatively archaeology. That's more <laughs> yeah. of a plot device than anything. That is that is just uh, that's more of a nod to Indiana Jones than any than anything I can see. I guess they both have the hat. <laughs> they they have hats, and yeah. they're archaeologists who don't really use any of their archaeology to any <laughs> use whatsoever. They are archaeologists who hate being at their university. <laughs> They'd rather be out in the world uh, solving puzzles. There now, you go. Now I I need to uh, I need to admit that I actually haven't played the fourth game in the series, Last Spectre. So okay. from my knowledge. I've only seen Professor Layton in his university one time, and that was in Unwound Future. Okay. The, uh, uh, in the last specter, you can't actually go to his office and okay. do things there. You actually have to go back at some points to get more information. So that's good. 
but it's you know chronologically the first game. So yeah. it's back before he was like, wait a minute, I could just roam the earth solving puzzles. <laughs> Fuck this place. Yeah, at the at the end of the first game, he has access to a really amazing treasure. You don't have to teach. What's the point? No. How can you go back to the classroom after after that? But like you know, in in the last Spectre, it's the first game, so they kind of still have him there, and and you go back and do some research. But yeah, he does not spend a whole lot of time at the university. He'd rather be out, you know, in the mix. Solving puzzles and 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 collecting hundreds and hundreds of pink coins. Yeah. Well, well, we should kind of. That's a good transition into the games themselves. Uh, Utterly unintentional. <laughs> Professor Layton is uh, is actually two trilogies. Uh, the first three games that came out: uh, Curious Village, Diabolical Box, and uh, and Unwound Future are all the back half of the of the trilogy. And then the last Spectre is actually the true first game chronologically. So they're pulling a Star Wars, uh, <laughs> but they're doing it better. Right. So far. <laughs> That's they're true. We, we have two more start. games where they could totally screw it up. But but at the moment, <laughs> they're doing all right. Yeah. This will not be like an Alien versus Predator kind of thing so far. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, let's get into Curious Village then. This is the, the first game that came out. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, it came out in 2008 for the Nintendo DS, and, uh, and it was, it was something new at that time. I mean, we, we had Brain Age, but, and we had, uh, and had Phoenix Wright, but nothing really combined those two elements in this way, and, and like we mentioned before, it was something where you kind of thought, man, that sounds like a really dumb idea, but then you played it, and it worked, and it was great. Yeah, this... Well, Curious Village was actually the game that got me back into uh, mobile gaming. Or not mobile, but portable Handheld stuff, yeah. Handheld stuff. Like, I grew up, I had a Game Boy. I played a shitload of Tetris, just like everybody else. Absolutely. I played Metroid 2. Um, That happened. (laughs) And, like, but... Then I just started focusing more on consoles, and there weren't a lot of portable games that I that I wanted. And when they announced Professor Layton, I was like, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> so, I mean, I still had access to, like, a, like, like my girlfriend had a DS, and she was playing things like Animal Crossing on it. Found out about after Layton, like, oh, that looks like we might actually use the DS outside if we're going on vacation. <laughs> and that's a long plane plane flight. Uh, so it was kind of weird. Like, like uh, Layden and Picross actually were the two <laughs> franchises that got me back into portable, portable gaming. And now I own a Vita, so that's weird. <laughs> well, well done on, uh, on jumping <laughs> ship over to Sony. <laughs> Well, no, I we have a we have a 3ds as well, because and part of the reason we have a 3ds is because of the uh, Layton Phoenix Wright crossover, which which has been announced uh, and is definitely coming out to Japan, I think, sometime this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, but so far, it's still kind of a question on whether or not that's coming to America. I really hope so. I think they did. Okay, 
Should I find a source? Uh, you, you don't have to. That's fine. We're, I, I can find a source later and put it in the show notes. Uh, okay. Well, my understanding as of right now is recently they announced that it would be coming. Okay. Well, cool. I, I look forward to that then. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the first game came out and it was awesome. If right. going, going back to what you what you said before about what what was my first thought about Professor Layton, I, I think what what really got me wasn't that it was a puzzle game at all. It was it was that really gorgeous art. It was the it was the amazing animation that Level Five was making for this game. It, it and full cutscenes. Yeah, these in a portable game that that was unheard of at the time. Yeah, and and they were. It was this amazing. It, I need to stop saying amazing, but it really was. But <laughs> this, it was, yeah. It was this, like triplets of Belleville kind of French animation, but they're British, so don't tell them. <laughs> a, a French animation for a British set game yeah. made by Japanese people. Yes. For it's, mainly the U.S. market, I, I was, I'm sure too. I, not, I'm sure. I, I mean, I there was a, um, a discussion between. Uh, the Satoru Iwata and Akihiro Hino, where, where they said like they they wanted to make this game more or less for for U.S. because U.S. doesn't the United States didn't really get they didn't think they'd really get that brain age stuff because that that didn't have a story for them. Yeah. But, uh, but they kind of tried to use this to fill that niche, and it ended up being a big hit, but a big hit everywhere. I think Japan actually even more than America in the number of games they get that we don't get over here. Yeah. I, mean, I And I didn't even expect to like the story as much as I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anymore, uh, I play these games for the story. And the puzzles are just kind of, like, I love the puzzles too, but I want to solve this mystery. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And, and the first game, it starts out uh, very bare bones, you you come to this village and you don't really know why you're you're looking for this this mysterious golden apple and uh, and then you kind of get caught up into this murder mystery that turns or out is it <laughs> yeah that, that kind of turns out not to be a murder mystery at all that's that's one of the things that uh, it didn't bother me so much in Curious Village but it bothers me a lot in later latent games that it's I feel like they, they are, there's always twist, and the twist is that, hey, this really absurd thing is happening, but, well, no, it's not. It's the, Here's the twist, and now it's a slightly less absurd thing happening that is still really absurd, and that's the reason. Um, okay, well, I mean, just to, just to cut to it, everyone in this town, in this curious village, <laughs> is a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's not that people are are actually getting killed. It's just that they're malfunctioning and being taken to be repaired. And, yeah, and uh, well, there's the one girl who's not a robot, and she is an old apple. Right, uh, and the the girl's <laughs> name is Flora, and her father, in his attempt to protect her, created this village and all these fake robotic people to. Um, keep her safe and to also uh, at the same time just keep all of his treasure and gold and money stuff with the which I guess was kind of his way of setting up like a trust fund I guess a robot trust fund (laughs) 
Because if you can't trust a robot. <laughs> well, I mean, when you get in, when you get to the end of the game, you you have access to this treasure, and Flora goes, "Well, but with the with the provision that if the treasure is taken away, that the whole town will cease to exist. All the robots will uh, decommission and and just stop." Right. And Flora makes the decision. Well, let's keep the treasure here because uh, we don't need it. And uh, I'll just go with you guys, and the whole town can be cool on its own. Even well, though I don't know what the hell that town does without Flora, since that's their primary directive is to protect her. They go about their business because they're, uh, I don't know. Here's the thing. You mentioned, okay, you say that there's an absurd thing happening, and then you there's the twist, and it's actually this other absurd thing. But, like, I don't think... I don't. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that these games have made me cry, but these games have made like very few games have made me think I was going to cry as much as the Professor Layton series. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, not quite so much the the first one because I totally called the robot thing somehow. Somehow I put those pieces together. I. Um, I mean, come to think of it, I think I believe I did too, and yeah. But I, but like, I mean, you find this, you know, it's this weird thing happening. It turns out to be this kind of silly thing happening. But the silly thing that's happening is always like really, like sweet, and like sentimental. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you okay? Look, you haven't finished Last Spectre. That, that's right. I haven't okay. started Last Spectre. So you have not. You have not known what it is that game to just reach in and murderate your heart. Oh, man. <laughs> well, well, wow. That's, well, a, that's a big statement. Uh, and, I, and I stand by it because it has one of the most heart-wrenching cutscenes I've ever seen <laughs> at the end. And I don't know if you want me to spoil it for you. I, and, I mean... And if I, if I just tell you about it, you won't. I don't think it'll have the same effect as just seeing it happen. I mean, I, I started this show knowing that that game was probably going to be spoiled for me, but I'm doing it because we're we're doing this show for the fans. Right. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I feel bad that I'm sacrificing my own experience, but we're doing a show on Professor Layton, and I knew that this game was going to be talked about. Okay. So it's my own fault. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> right now we're kind of still talking about Curious Village. I'm, I'm going to make a bold statement here, and, oh, well... Kind of bold since I haven't even played the last one that came out, but I I think the first one's still the best. I had the most fun playing it. Uh, I being able to call the the twist and have any sort of sense that maybe I can solve the mystery and feel a little bit like Layton myself that that made a big deal to me. And it's also the one I, I see as the most plausible of any of the games. <laughs> In that, yeah, I, I guess there could be a town full of robots. That's not the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But when when you get into other things, and we'll talk about them when we when we get to the other games, but the subsequent games, they they are all just completely out there. Oh, they get crazy. And it, yeah. n- like none of it, like, none of it's plausible. None of it's even possible. And uh, the second one is really. I would say I would say to an extent the second one is plausible. 
to an extent, but I'm I'm amazed that a that an old man can get around that well, and then find out he's an old man and start going cripple. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but while we're while we're still on Curious Village, uh, is there? Do you have any memories of that game or, or any of the characters in there that really stood out to you? Uh, I mean, I remember playing it. Like, and I just, I remember uh, figuring out the robot angle kind of, and when wondering why I was thinking that and then kind of being like, okay, when it turned <laughs> out to be exactly that. Um, but, I don't know, it was just, it was just this really... It was just this really cool experience. Like, I'd never played a game like that, and I'd never seen, uh, I'd never even heard of, you know, a portable system doing, like, full-on, like, animated cutscenes that are, it's, I mean, I worked at Toys R Us and know that, you know, Cartoon Network put out Game Boy videos, right? Right. I knew it was possible. (laughs) I didn't think that it was, you know, feasible to put that, put basically an entire animated movie <laughs> into a game on a portable system at that point. Yeah. So it was just this kind of revelation for me. And, you know, the puzzles were, the puzzles were good. You know, they, I don't think they'd quite figured out the transition, um, kind of how to integrate them properly. I will say that they do a way better job in the later games of integrating them into the story. Uh, there was a lot of, okay, we'll talk about that, but first solve this puzzle, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know, it was, it was just cool to be playing a puzzle game where I actually cared what happened between puzzles. And where, and where what happened between puzzles was not me going back to the menu and selecting the next puzzle. <laughs> like like in something like Pacross, yeah. Which which has its own merits. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if I'd want a story with Pacross, because I just want to play Pacross. No, I know. But, I uh... Mean, somehow, somehow they found that balance between putting, giving you a lot of puzzles and also giving you something to kind of, you know, break the flow and keep it interesting. Yeah. Well, when I'm... I, I was amazed at how many memorable characters actually were able to come out of of Curious Village. I I like some of the the Reinhold family, which is the the main family in the in the seri- in the uh, village. Uh especially Simon, uh who was the more of like the the nerdy kind of preppy guy um with his with his glasses. I I liked his character design. But uh the one who stood out was was Inspector Chelmy. Okay. And I, I I thought he had a great design uh, with his with his suit and him just kind of being this angry angry guy, but <laughs> what's what's amazing is that you're talking to this guy for most of the game, and you find out in the end he's not even Inspector Shelby. It's actually it's actually the main villain of the Layton series, Don Paolo. <laughs> And he, he's a master of disguise, and he disguised himself as, as this inspector guy. And... <laughs> just got Master Millard. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. And, but I, I really liked the, the character of Chelmy, and then I felt so heartbroken to know that he wasn't even a real person. 
until you play the second game and find out he actually is a real person. Right. Which brought its own little fun uh, cutscene with it. But, uh... That was one of the things I remember about the first game is, like, am I supposed to know who Don Paolo is? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, is this, like, is this game, you know, in media res? Like, it, it felt like there was so much stuff I should know. And, like, I didn't even realize that these games were being released out of chronological. I got to uh, Last Spectre. Yeah, well, at that point, yeah, I mean, when this game came out, we didn't even know there was an order, and I don't oh, yeah, think sure. I don't think they did either. <laughs> well, no, I knew that I knew that there were other games out in Japan when we got the first one. Right, but those were those were sequels to to this one. Like we didn't we didn't right. know that there was anything beforehand that was happening. Uh, right. So that Don Paolo thing just felt like a oh okay who's who's that guy, and yeah. and you find out later that oh that that kind of matters. And, and like now that now that he's a part of the series, I mean, in that in that same way of Star Wars, it's kind of like the the Darth Vader, like oh he's the villain, all right, and then and then he's the villain, and you just know that from now on. Uh, yeah, but like I don't know, there was so much history suggested in that reveal, and it's like, uh, was I supposed to have watched some anime before? <laughs> I played this game. I'm sure there was a manga or something that came out yeah, before. I mean, yeah, I just felt like kind of kind of lost, <laughs> not knowing who that guy was. And and even though it, it came out way before this movie did, and I haven't even seen Prometheus yet, I <laughs> there is a there is an interesting scene. Especially going back and, and watching all the videos from Curious Village, uh, there's the Ferris wheel scene where this giant Ferris wheel comes off its hinges and starts rolling towards the professor and Luke. And they're trying to run and, and get away from it. And you're thinking the whole time, just move. Like, move. Don't stop moving forward and just move left or right. Because it's, it's just, it's going straight. You're going to be fine. And then they finally do. They actually make a left turn. And the first wheel follows them. Yep. Uh, unlike Prometheus, where... They don't turn for some reason. Um, oh, look, leave, leave that character alone. <laughs> okay. It's not even, like, a thing worth pointing out anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know, did you have to, while you were, I don't remember, while you were, uh, being chased by the Ferris wheel, was, did a puzzle pop up and be like... <laughs> Which route? <laughs> no, no, it thankfully did not. And you and you find out at the end of the scene that it's, I mean, it's a silhouetted figure because you don't know who it is yet. But it, it ends up being Don Paolo, and he's actually got it on remote control. Right. And I don't know how you remote control a Ferris wheel, but well done. Yeah. He uh, found a way. <laughs> Uh, but I mean that's probably enough about the first game. I I just really liked it in the way that that it was. I liked that plausibility. I liked that I was able to solve something because I could use some sort of internal logic to to figure out the robot angle. Uh-huh. And I never got that in any of the uh, in any of the other games because it was always one far fetched thing for another far fetched thing, and. Like, there's no way in hell I would have been able to guess any of that stuff. I I don't know. I kind of feel like I stopped trying. Like, 
like I like the plot so much that, and and maybe this is just how I watch mystery things. Is like I know that I know the part of the nature of a mystery story is that the the author is withholding information from you because if you knew everything, this would be, you know. So I guess I just kind of. I don't try to figure it out. That doesn't actually make me feel smart. <laughs> it kind of makes me feel like, you know, because then if because then if I figure it out, I get really mad at the other characters for not having figured it out. Okay, I can understand that. Like, I figured some shit out before Professor Layton. I was like, uh, you know, God damn it, you're supposed to be a guy who does this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is your job. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I don't know, I just kind of take the stories as they come, and I don't think I really, I don't think I put in the effort to try to figure it out. Like, that doesn't give me any satisfaction, personally, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I, I can I can see that. I mean, it's, it's taking a more passive role and kind of enjoying the ride. Uh, no, where... I, I mean, in a way, but I'm just letting the ride happen. Like, if I mean, if you're on a ride and you're like, okay, the ride's going to turn left, and then it does, I mean, you're still going left, right? And that's fun. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, I don't, like, I'm interested in the story. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, I, I, I don't like, I, I kind of don't like the, the passive thing because that kind of suggests that I'm not engaged. But, I, I, I didn't really mean it as a pejorative, yeah. but but yeah, I can I can see that. I'm super engaged. I just I don't <laughs> feel the need to try to outsmart the thing that's entertaining me. All right, that's my personal. <laughs> oh, I, I I get that. Uh, let, let's move on to the second game, Professor Layton and the Diabolical Box. And this is why, because they are all, like, you were not going to predict that they were all tripping balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there was very little way, and thinking back on it, when you come up to the castle at the end, and, and we'll <laughs> tread back and figure out why all this happened in a second, but when you get to that castle at the end of the game, and you see it, I mean, you can see that there's some some smoke stuff around it, and... There are these empty pipes, and it maybe it would take a real leap in logic to get to that point. But but yeah, like there there was really no way of guessing. Well, that that was. I mean, I think even unwound futures twist made more sense than that. <laughs> that's a that's a bold claim. Well, well, okay, well, okay. Here's the thing: is that. Uh, uh, Chemically induced hallucinations are a thing that has happened. I mean, there are records of people who thought that their houses were haunted, but they just had carbon monoxide leaks, right? Mm -hmm. And it caused them to hallucinate, you know, have visual auditory hallucinations. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's not unheard of, but it's like uh, Diabolical Box had just, like, a lot of twists. One of the twists was vampire. Oh yeah. So, I mean, once once vampire is on the table in your mystery game, uh, it's all on. You know, <laughs> whatever. Just take me away, game. 
Well, it, this came out in 2009. Uh, were, were we in the Twilight craze at that point? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, Maybe the only thing I know about the Twilight craze is I wish it wasn't a thing. <laughs> Here's to that. <laughs> um, now they're welcome to it. I don't actually care. It's a, it's a thing for people who are not me. Ah, and yeah. I guess they can have fun too. Let them, let them have it. <laughs> they wouldn't make it. They wouldn't be able to figure out how that kid got home from school. And they actually go home from school. So, with <laughs> like the 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 main thing in Diabolical Box, there's there's this box called the Elysian Box that uh, that apparently kills people and kills kills anyone who opens it. Yes. So this is very it's very Indiana Jones sounding, very creepy. Uh, and, and of course, Leighton doesn't believe it because that's, that's not logical. Like there's super, that's superstition. Uh, but somehow he ends up getting hold of it and he can't open it, right? God, it's been a while uh, since I played it. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I played it. Um, well, his, you, you meet his mentor for the first time, Dr. Right. Andrew Schrader, who, who taught Leighton and he was apparently quote-unquote killed by this box because he opened it yeah so yeah i guess i guess they are able to open it and and they open the box and there's nothing in it and they don't know what the point is but then they go on this trip on a train the name of the train bothered me i don't know why the uh voluntary express Express? yeah it just seemed so clunky (laughs) but you did get to meet one of the best characters, if not the best character in all of Professor Layton, Sammy Thunder. <laughs> oh, Sammy Thunder. How, how do you not like a tall, lanky guy with a big afro, and all he wants to do is sing rock and roll, but he's stuck being a waiter for this train? The man is just keeping him down <laughs> on the train and not letting him spread his wings and soar. He wears sunglasses indoors. So he can, so he can. <laughs> this, this man is a legend, and, and he should be treated as such. But they try to frame him for murder. Can you believe that? I, I can, because it's like a, <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out Sammy Thunder didn't actually kill anybody, so that's good. <laughs> uh, that shit happens all the time in Phoenix Wright too. So. <laughs> uh, but we, you, when they're on the Molentary Express, they end up going to this mysterious town that's not on the map. Yet the conductors know about it, uh, and it happens like you can only go to it at certain times. It's all very weird, but it's all yeah. But hey, if you fold your ticket like you do for like a Nickelodeon magazine or like a highlights <laughs> puzzle that somebody that some kid solved when he was five, you can see the mad fold in. <laughs> that you can fold the ticket and it says full sense, which is totally the mystery town. Which great. They're just mystery upon mystery in this game. <laughs> so you find a mysterious box, you go to a mysterious town. Uh, when you're yeah, at this mysterious, mysterious dude, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I I don't know. I was I was tired of this of the story of this game. By the time I got to the mysterious town, I felt like you were on the train for way too long, and I didn't feel like anything was happening. Uh, and this game kind of bummed me out because I really liked the first one. 
I, it's still a solid game, and I think the yeah. puzzle design is is a big improvement and a big step forward. But in terms of the story, I just I wasn't feeling this feeling this one. Uh, and then you threw in vampires, uh, yeah. well, kind of vampires, and I just I tuned out a little bit. And I feel I feel bad that I did because it's a solid game. I, this is this is the one I remember the least of all of them. Yeah, and I think that's like due to the story. It, that yeah. There's there's just some very forgettable things. Um, it, I, I mean, I like I like Schrader, uh, and you learn a little bit a bit about him. Uh, he doesn't die actually. He just huffs some of the gas <laughs> from the box. The box box had some traces of gas, and and Schrader hallucinated, and then died but didn't die I, I don't know but he ended up being fine just weird they're all just they're all just 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 tripping balls it's just <laughs> i mean it's just kind of a weak reveal like it kind of just seemed cheap i think because everything weird was just explained away by oh you were hallucinating it was it was very much like it was all a dream kind of ending uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, here's this one blanket statement to to you know explain everything away. And yeah, and that's never going to be as satisfying as they are robots. <laughs> you can't beat robots, <laughs> no. especially. I mean, if it was they were all vampires, that might be interesting. But it's not. It's they were all not vampires. And when you take away vampires, you're taking away fun. Right. And we can't <laughs> have that. No. <laughs> but we do get treated to one of the coolest cutscenes, I think, of, of probably all the Leighton games, is the sword fight between Leighton and uh, the quote-unquote vampire Anton. Yeah. And, and you get to see some really sweet swordsmanship from Professor Leighton, which you would totally not expect from a gentleman archaeologist. But I guess gentlemen need to know how to fight with swords. Yeah, I mean, a true gentleman uh, is always prepared for whatever <laughs> situation, and sometimes some near duels want to want to want to cross blades, right? <laughs> and you got to be prepared for that. I, I suppose you do. I don't think it was. I mean, I, I thought that was a better fit than when um, Layton makes a machine gun out of a slot machine. <laughs> yeah, or even from the first game where he makes a glider out of, like, a piece of wood and the blinds. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was easy for me to imagine him sword fighting because I kind of think of him as, like, the third Doctor. Okay. Who was very dashing, like... Uh, I'm talking about Doctor Who now. I, I can uh, but, with uh, you. I'm, that's for the benefit of people <laughs> who are not quite as nerdy as I am. But, uh, yeah, the third Doctor was very, very dashing, and he, you know, knew the newsy and Aikido, you know. So, and, and he was a very romantic figure. And I think when, as this game got more gothic, uh, it made perfect sense for Layden to, to grab a sword and do some kind of Errol Flynn shit. Sure. I, uh, or, I, but did he really? <laughs> well, yeah. Because I mean, we don't know could have just hallucinated the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I hallucinated the whole thing. But we do see, uh, I've seen some trailers at least for the Miracle Mask. 
or Mask of Miracle. I'm always going to screw that up. The next uh, day. Where he does, uh, where he does some, somebody has a sword, but he has his cane, and he's sword fighting with a cane. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. And, and then it's just, then it's like he wasn't prepared to fight. Like, this thing, it's it's a cane. It's for walking or, or doing other non-violent things. But, hey, if I need to use this for a fight, that that seems a little truer to Leighton's character. Yeah, and it's non-lethal. Yeah. Uh, it's the weird thing about, you know, these very, you know, uh, balanced and measured characters doing a sword fight is... Every swing of the sword is intended to hurt the other person. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the truth about sword fights. You know, everything you do, you're trying to disable or kill them. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of like him taking the defensive tack with the cane. I do. I think that's one of the really good um, story-driven puzzles, though, uh, of Diabolical Box, is when uh, there's a cutscene that goes into that, that, that yeah. begins that, where Anton, like, ha- takes out his sword and, and is about to fight you, but to make it a fair fight, he's got this wall of swords, and, <laughs> and he says, you know, take one, let's let's make this a fair match. Uh, like, a, uh, a gentleman always has his sword in his hand or something like that, or, or like a knight. What I forgot what exactly what he says, but then you go into this puzzle of, of which sword is a real sword, because all all except for one are fake. And it turns out that it's the one that's in this coat of arms guy's hand. Because that's, hey, hey, I, I wordplay. <laughs> um, but I actually really liked that one. And, it, and it's one that I got really quickly. And I felt really smart about it. And maybe it was just an easy puzzle. But I thought that was one of the few puzzles that felt... I mean, again, it's kind of that thing of plausibility. Whereas, you know, this... A door is not going to have this crazy complex lock that has you having to shift different blocks to get one block from the top down to the bottom. Right. But it that's a very plausible thing to see that, oh, here's a wall of swords, but all of them are fake except one, which is the real one. Well, it's the end of Last Crusade, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> which, which grail is real? <laughs> Use your brain. Uh, but, but Diabolical uh, Box, like we, like we mentioned, kind of, I would say is one of the lower points in the series, uh, if not the low point. Uh, it, it is for me at least, uh, only having played three games, and it sounds like, uh, from your talking about it, that Last Spectre's really good. So, uh, so I'm gonna say this is probably the lowest point you can get in Layton. Which is, it's, I mean, and if that's, if that's the lowest point... Sounds good to me, because, yeah, Yeah. it it was still a pretty solid game. Well, the the weird thing, how they're kind of hedging their bets, is, like, if you don't like the story, the the puzzles will always be good. Yeah. Right? So, uh, like, even when the story is not that good, it's like, hey, here's still, you know, 180 puzzles. And was this the first game that, that had downloadable puzzles? Or could you download puzzles in Curious Village, too? I can't remember. You can download puzzles in Curious Village because I remember not realizing uh, the that there were other games um, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, I went into the option for the daily puzzle, and it said, this will unlock bonuses in the next game. I thought, well, that's putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> <laughs> not knowing. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, you could. Okay. Um, another thing that I really didn't like about Diabolical Box, because I'm just going to keep harping on it, okay. <laughs> um, I didn't like a lot of the mini-games on there. Uh, when you are when you play a Professor Layton game, you have the puzzles, you have the story, but then there always are these little side mission things that you can do. Uh, in the first in the first game, you had to assemble a camera yep. that then you could take photos or photos would be taken and you had to find the differences in photos, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Or, or I might be mixing things. Um, that was definitely a thing that happened sometime in the series. Yeah, but that was cool. Like, you'd get camera pieces and then you'd have to assemble the camera and that was its own little puzzle of how do these pieces fit in this schematic box that right. we have here. And it was very Tangram style of, of trying to make everything fit. Um, and then in the second game, you had this tea-making mini-game yeah. that was awful. And, and it, it made some sense story-wise with Gentlemen and London and tea. There, there's, yeah. a, there's a definite tea thing with that, but it was just... It wasn't fun. Like, you'd get the different ingredients, and you'd try to mix them to make things, and sometimes you'd make crap. and error than logic. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and, I mean, sometimes you'd get some people who gave you some hints, but I, I didn't like it very much, and I didn't feel like it, it was true to the puzzle nature of Professor Layton. Yeah. But they would get better uh, yeah. in Professor Layton and the Unwound Future, a game that came out in the next year, 2010, also for the DS. Uh, they're all going to be for DS until we get to Miracle Mask in October. So yeah. I'm going to stop saying DS. Yeah, I understand the reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but Unwound Future, I, I guess you disagree, but I think this is the most ridiculous story of all of them. Um, I think this one uh, had the most silly elements, but I still like the story. Because I oh, like no, the I story. love the story. I was saying that I, I love the story of this game. I, I don't love it as much as the first one because it's still not plausible and not the way I uh, like my perfect latent game would be. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's... It's your problem that the time machine is actually an elevator. <laughs> I think that's stupid. Um, I think I think it ties into that as that my real problem is that it's this giant city under the ground that nobody can tell is under the ground and that you have a bunch of people. I mean, he's, there are scientists down there that know what's going on or at least have an idea of what's going on in so much as, as they think this is a real place or they, or they know that's, they know that it's not the future. Yeah. They, they know that it's not the future. Uh, then you have like these, two people who are kind of running the show who know everything. But then you have all these townspeople who are just living in the town, and I don't think it ever explains what the hell's going on with them. What they're doing? Yeah. Uh, Unless it's another town full of robots. Well. Problem solved. No, Uh, no, I mean, look, that's all fine. Uh, What I liked about the story in this one was how they, how this increasingly bizarre situation uh, reveals things about, say, uh, Luke and 
Layton's relationship. Okay. And and just kind of bite into Layton's past and seeing a different side of him when you see the flashbacks, you know, before he gets the hat. Oh yeah, I think I think those were my favorite part. Like you, you got to see Layton in a more vulnerable light. Yeah, and I mean, like just the premise of it is that uh, Layton receives a letter from Luke, uh, a version of Luke that is ten years in the future. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> it just sounds so crazy when I say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but what that is is immediately he has to be thinking, you know, what is Luke like 10 years in the future? Mm-hmm. And and where is any of this headed? And it all just kind of culminates in the the fucking heartbreaking ending. <laughs> but, yeah. I, 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 I mean, they don't really explain it, uh, or they don't really go into it, but I, I would have loved to see them explore once they get to the quote-unquote future and mm-hmm. meet quote-unquote future Luke... And see how he's turned out, and and they talk about the quote unquote future Layton and how bad he is, and mm-hmm. I, they it's it's kind of a throwaway line, but they say like, well, what happened to you, Luke? Why are you not with Layton anymore? And, and he says, oh, we just kind of grew apart, and Layton ended up doing kind of his own thing, and like went bad, and I just kind of stayed here and was good. I would have really liked to see them explore, like, have Luke talk to Leighton and say, like, well, what what could possibly make you feel that way? And, like, I would never want to leave you, and we're, we're such great friends and all that, that I would have liked to see how their relationship changed or how they feel about their relationship thinking they know what's going to happen in the future. Oh, uh, well, I mean, that's fair, but I think it's kind of reflected in what happens at the end. Yeah. Where... They just kind of make, I, I think that the fake future version of events um, look at the present events, and I think it helps them reach the conclusion that that Luke might need some some time away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all based on a lie, right? Right. But I, but I think, but I think that this this possible future that they were being spoon-fed by villains. Uh, I, I think it really kind of... I, I think it still made them have that conversation. They didn't have it explicitly in the game, but I think that their brains were thinking that way, and I think they reached the conclusion that, you know, we don't want Luke wearing exactly the same clothes <laughs> in 10 years, just slightly more grown-up versions of them. Yeah. But, you know, it's like... It's like in the Venture Brothers. There's that character who is basically Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah. You know, and he grows up and he's still wearing the same clothes, but he's just <laughs> fucking crazy. You know, you don't want Luke to be like that. <laughs> yeah. I can, uh, I can see that. You'd want him to be his own professor and, and doing I, his own adventures. And hey, maybe that, maybe saying this is the last mainline Layton game for, for Super Civilization A... Maybe that means that we're going to get like a Luke spinoff series where he becomes a professor. Not that I really want that because I think Layton is is such an interesting character, or or at least such a cool iconic character that it would be tough to have a game without him. 
Yeah, and I mean, you want to go into the future and see that Robin is the new Batman, right? Yeah, I, I <laughs> guess, yeah. Yeah. No, like, like Batman maybe is gone, but, but Robin is, is carrying it on. That's what you want to see, but, like, they're, they're, like, the fake future is so messed up, right? <laughs> Well, what, what's, I mean, I don't want to say that I guessed what was going to happen, because that's impossible. Uh, it was, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it was so stupidly ridiculous of what actually happened. But there were some things that tipped me off that this might not be the future. And the main one that tipped me off is when Flora, and we should explain that, that at the end of the first game, Curious Village, you you take Flora with you, because she doesn't really have anyone real looking after her so so she ends up following you guys and, and going back and and now i guess layton runs like an orphanage or something um you just collect wards <laughs> yeah but uh and she also shows up a little bit in the second game but in the third game here she like luke and layton kind of just abandon her or abandon her for her own safety leave her in the quote-unquote past mm. to i need to stop saying quote-unquote <laughs> um, but they, they go without her and when they have to come back to the future, to the past, uh, well, Flo- the present. right. Which is really the present. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. When they go back to the present, uh, they, Flora's pretty pissed off and she ends up following them this time. And when she sees future Luke, her first question is, well, Hey, where's future Flora? And, the future Luke really just kind of says like, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Maybe we'll see her later. And that was the first time I felt like, oh, well, that's a weird thing. I, I'm sure that if this was the future that we'd see something about future Flora or they might ask about future Inspector Chelmy or future anybody that they that they know. The only two people that, well, the only three people they ever meet from the future is is Luke, Layton, and Andrew Schrader, all of which are fake, uh, you find out. But uh, just, I, I felt like if this was the future, they would be playing a lot more fan service of, oh, hey, there's that guy you knew from this previous game, but it's totally him in the future. Okay. And, and you didn't get that. And, wow, that's really stepping outside the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little meta. But uh, but it was something where I thought, you know, I th- it might be that this turns out not to really be the future. But then when I tried to figure out how that was possible, no no idea. I couldn't I couldn't possibly have told you that this was a subterranean city built to harbor scientists who thought they were in the future. So then they would really actually have to build a time machine to get back. Or to get to where they thought was back to the present, so the main character could actually have a time machine. It's a it's a long plan, right? <laughs> it's the long con, <laughs> which we uh, found out actually worked in the first place. Not well, but it, it did once. Yeah, <laughs> it it worked for one person, who just so happened to be uh, Professor Layton's girlfriend. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's the thing again, like. Okay, there's the twist, and then there are these little kind of mini twists 
that are just kind of fall. Okay, so like second game, the twist is you know a tripping ball, right? Uh, but then after that, patients of that truth are that this is a really old guy who has no idea. <laughs> yeah, and in this game, it's like truth is. It's an elevator, not a time machine. Uh, but the fallout from that is just this really gut-wrenching, you know, sentimental story about Professor Layton and what the hat really means to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, like... And they allude to it in previous games. I mean, they don't really yeah. allude to this part, but they... They say things like, oh, take off your hat. And he goes, no, a gentleman always wears his hat or something like that. And you you see that he's really attached to it, but you don't know until this game all that meaning that's behind it. Right. And I don't know, like, just just my running thing with with the Layton series is that this is a series of puzzle games. Like... (laughs) Like, there is no reason for this plot, right? There's mm-hmm. no reason for there to be a plot. It's supposed to be about the puzzles. But then they give you a plot, and then they give you, like, this fucking past trauma, right? They make you care about these characters, and then they destroy them, right? <laughs> they make you watch it. Yeah. You know, can I just get the ball out of the thing, <laughs> right? But, I mean, that's one of the things I love. Like, they don't have to do anything with this plot. But they have backstories, and they have arcs, and they have, you know, these tokens, like the hat, and they have actual tokens. But they have, you know, these, just these details about these characters, and, like, maybe I just like it more because I know it's utterly unnecessary. But, like, these games just get mad credit, and I think that's why when things like this happen, I I feel them more because I knew they didn't have to do it. Yeah, I, I I definitely appreciate the effort that's being put forth to have a story when you really don't need one. Having said that, <laughs> okay, giant robot tank. <laughs> yeah, uh, fighting machine monster thing. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it, it's not like enough that you know it's not a time machine, but now. The uh, walking tank is going to come out, and you're going to have a chase sequence. Well, that, that's because right. you have one person playing a long con, but then yeah. you have another place, another person playing a longer con <laughs> on the person who's playing the long con. It's so great. <laughs> at, at this point, I, and this game is about 13 hours long. It took me about 13 hours. Uh, your time may vary. But at this point, I'm thinking, I've seen M. Night Shyamalan movies, and... They've been shorter, and uh, they had fewer twists. <laughs> this game is getting ridiculous. In uh, the, <laughs> I think you mean ridiculously awesome. I mean, it was, yeah, definitely. But when you have one guy who's trying to build a time machine, and you have another guy who is letting that time machine get built, but he doesn't really care about the time machine. All he wants is some giant military instrument to exact revenge on his dead parents. Yeah. <laughs> or, or exact revenge for his dead parents. Yeah. Um, like, that... <laughs> what the hell? Man, 
look, you know, this game, <laughs> this game, even if you don't appreciate it, this game fucking brings it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> And it's not even explained at all, uh, not even really explained, but my favorite character is Subject 3, who was a talking rabbit, who had lab experiments done on, done on him, I, presumably in the same lab where this time machine and military crap are being made. But they don't go into that at all. Why is there research on bunnies? What? Who is doing this? For what reason? I feel like once you kidnap a bunch of scientists and make you make them think they're in the future, and put the kind of pressure on them that the only way you're getting out of here is to build a time machine. Uh, yeah, the the moral implications of human testing are kind of out the window. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that bunnies are easier to find. But it, to what end, though? What is what is making? I don't know, the, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Look, I, I don't care. Because if they're trying okay. to send rabbits to the future, okay, I get that. I I understand. Or to the past, wherever. I, I get that. Like that. That makes sense. That's testing out your product. But you're making them talk and giving yeah. them human qualities. Look, okay. This is the longest con. Okay. <laughs> The longest con is to send talking rabbits into the past to tell them that this is what's going to happen to bunnies in the future. <laughs> I don't know what they get out of that. I, I especially don't understand it because they already have, and I forgot which game this starts in, I, probably Diabolical Box, but Luke is able to talk to animals for some unforeseen reason. Sure. And and not just understand animals in the way that he sees some nonverbal communication out of them and just gets them. He actually talks to them. And so you don't even need a talking rabbit because Luke can already talk to rabbits. <laughs> There's no point. Uh, well, um... And if that wasn't enough, let's throw in a talking bee because there's one of those too. Yeah, he, he doesn't have any story significance, but there is one. No, it doesn't make sense. But I'm, I mean, I'm more interested. I'm more interested in, uh, I don't even remember what bearing that talking rabbit has on the plot. I remember him maybe popping out every once in a while. When you, when you're first going to the lab, uh, okay. or when you're trying to go to the lab, he's close to where the lab is, and he's guarding his territory and won't let you through. But then you solve a puzzle and he lets you through. Okay. But he, he has some sob story about how he was tested on and now can talk, but now he's really jaded about it. And I, <laughs> that's that's basically it. Like they, <laughs> they called him Subject 3. He doesn't know what happened to the first two. They probably died. <laughs> and it's just really this, this dark side story that doesn't get resolved at all. And <laughs> it's just... No. I, <laughs> like well, that's okay. That's a that's a thing. It gets resolved. Resolved, <laughs> and I'll tell you how. <laughs> I okay. I love Beasley though, uh, the talking bee, and his little side story with Puzzlet, who is uh, Granny Riddleton's daughter. And for those who aren't aware of Granny Riddleton, uh, anytime you're going through the story stuff, when you hit a new chapter, all the puzzles that were in that previous chapter that you haven't solved will go to a place where you can then visit visit them and solve them. 
but they need to have the people in the city have new puzzles for story reasons. Um, so there, there's this person in the previous game called Granny Riddleton who's just in a little cottage, and she holds all the old puzzles. But I guess because you're in the future, you can't have that. I, or it's not really the future. It's another place entirely. So she's not there. But she has this daughter, I think, or granddaughter, or or something. Who, in her in the past. Who Just must, the time machine works <laughs> twice. Who must not be real, I guess, because there is no time machine. <laughs> um, but, look, I figured it out, though. Okay. You know what? They are doing the subject three. Uh, no idea. They're actually testing the animus. <laughs> okay, sure. They tested it on bunnies first, and they needed them to be able to talk <clears throat> so that they could tell them that it worked. <laughs> and then Assassin's Creed happened. <laughs> You know what? I I think it's really. I think I know what happened. It's just. It's, it's just. Japan. Di- no, well, <laughs> Japan is probably a good blanket answer for everything. But I'm going to go with the blanket answer that there is also everybody tripping balls in this game. Oh shit! Yeah, you ever think of yeah. that? Just everyone is tripping no. balls. I figured it out. Uh, uh, again, of the gas is inside the hat, and Layton is <laughs> taking it wherever he goes. <laughs> Okay, I can, yeah, I think I think we have think-tanked this and have come up with a good reason that this game is true. We cracked it. Yep, <laughs> there you go. This is, this is the greatest game ever. <laughs> uh, but Unwound Future, for, for all the ridiculousness of the story, actually is really well done. And, yeah. and I think it has the best puzzles of the series at that point. Uh, again, I haven't played Last Spectre, so I'm... I'm guessing they probably get better as they're on an upward tick but uh it's i I think the story for all its flaws in logic and craziness is we fix all those flaws we everything (laughs) oh right yes so the story despite the complex nature of it uh is is still really interesting and does does have some some heart string pulling moments especially at the end uh I I thought the the love quadrangle of Claire, Leighton, Don Paolo, and I forgot the guy who made the time machine. Uh, guy. Him too. Um, that that was kind of interesting. I, especially for a character like Don Paolo, who you've only seen as an enemy throughout the whole series. And he hates Leighton, but he doesn't explain why. And you find out it's because he was crushing on Professor Layton's girl, and she chose Layton over him, even though he never really tried. No. So he just just kind of pissed uh, off about it, and I guess he doesn't know that there are other girls in the world. He got duckied. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I think that probably wraps up enough about uh, Unwound Future. Evan, you're going to have to help me. Because uh, I don't know much about anything of The Last Spectre. Uh, well, I'm not going to get too into, like, the, the 
the tiny details of the plot and all the little bones, but um, the basic idea is that there is a town where the legend is that there is a monster that shows up if someone plays a particular flute and uh, Layden can't not investigate that. Of course not. <laughs> um, but it's also it's also chronologically the first. It's the story that shows how Layden and Luke first meet. And um, I don't know. It's just a really like I don't I don't know what what to get into. But it, it's just. I really like the plot on this one. Um, I really like the puzzles. There was very little repetition in the puzzles. There was still kid getting home from school shit that I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate that. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. It, it was a cool kind of you know latent episode zero sort of thing. Like this is how he meets Luke, and this is what's up with Luke's parents, and it. Uh, uh, Luke's backstory explains a lot about, like, what's going on with his parents and why he had two, and what's going on at the end of the, the previous game. What leave. Right. Um, and you kind of understand, you know, why parents would allow their young kid to run off with this archaeology professor <laughs> and solve mysteries. <Okay>. Right? <laughs> but, and learn the ways of the gentleman. But, I don't know, it was just this this cool story. And, God damn it, the end of it uh, messed me up. Because, I don't know, I, I don't think it's going to have much impact to you, but there is a monster. Uh, but what people think is the monster is actually a friendly sea monster fighting a robot. Okay. <laughs> and destroying the town. That's what that's what first catches Layton's uh, eye about. That, that's why Luke stands out is to predict where the monster will attack. Okay. So, but he does it with science, obviously, because there's no magic in, yeah. his, in his games. Um, but yeah, the, the monster is actually a, a sea monster <laughs> fighting a robot. And there's another, you know, yet another uh, lost child living alone. Uh, but I don't know. It, it, like, without you having played it, I, I could just go <laughs> on and on and get as specific as I want. But, I mean, the end is just wrenching. So you're telling me that Japan made a story uh, about, about a monster fighting about a, a monster fighting a robot. I don't believe you. Kind of a <laughs> dinosaur-like monster. <laughs> that doesn't sound anything like the Japan I know. Destroying a city in the process. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Uh, from the I've seen a couple of the cutscenes, uh, just just in kind of trying to prepare a little bit for this episode, and and so I saw like the the silhouette of the sea monster at least. And, and I've seen a couple other things. I really like the design of uh, whoever is in that cloak with the Egyptian bird head thing. Or I guess sure. it's more—I guess it's more 
um, Italy. It, it looks kind of like the Assassin's Creed yeah, medic I mean, guys. Yeah, that actually has little to do with anything in the, the main plot, but yeah, those, <laughs> there's like this kind of, you know, King of the Thieves figure. Okay. Um, I don't actually remember the tiny details of this plot. I remember that there's a bunch of kids, and they're <laughs> different degrees of annoying, but uh, <laughs> are they prove useful. Well, this is also the, the first game to introduce Emmy, who is yeah. uh, the professor's uh, assistant, I guess. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know the story with Emmy. Uh, do you know anything about her? She, well, I mean, this is a prequel, so he's spending like a lot of time at the college. So she'd be like a TA. Okay. And she's got she's got Moxie, all right. I I definitely I, I know a little bit about Emmy from watching the movie, uh, and and we'll talk about the movie after we get done uh, talking about this game. But but I have some some thoughts on Emmy when, once we talk about the movie. Well, I mean, why don't we just combine these since I haven't seen the movie and you haven't played this game? Okay, sounds fair. Uh, since the movie chronologically takes place right after this game. Right. And right before uh, Miracle Mask. Uh, so, I, I feel like Emmy's kind of a bitch. Uh, yeah, she kind of is. She's uh, well-meaning uh, and helpful, but pretty, pretty bitchy. Um, she ends up, she always puts Luke down and calls him Leighton's second assistant. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas Luke tries to defend it by going, no, he's not an assistant, he, I'm an apprentice. It's totally different. It's actually better. <laughs> but uh, but she's having none of it. Uh, plus, in the movie, she kicks a guy squarely in the testicles. And then he falls to his knees, is definitely not moving anywhere. And she just roundhouse kicks him in the face anyway. So yeah, uh, just like... Cold-hearted bitch, right there. Uh, she's the anti-Layton. Okay, that's an interesting way of putting it. She's there to prove a, a counterpoint. Like she's not concerned with being ladylike. <laughs> she is. I I would almost think of her in you know film terms as a as a Hoxian woman. All right. She just she doesn't take any guff, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's not always, you know, the best at her job because she's more of a straight line kind of person. She'll solve a puzzle, right? <laughs> but I mean, I, she's just kind of there to, like, and the, I mean, the interesting thing is that Luke is exactly little Professor Lee. Yeah. Right? That's his job. That's why he's the apprentice because he's learning to be like Professor Layton. But she's just there, right? <clears throat> so I think they're just trying to throw in something that Layton, you know, throw in some personality element that Layton could not possibly have, which is kicking a dude in the balls and in the face. Right. I, it allows that to happen without Layton having to sacrifice in him any of his gentleman-like qualities. Right, a true gentleman does not go for the judge. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's rule number one. <laughs> um, I think that's rule number one in the, the, the Marquis of Queensbury rules. 
Um, I, I actually think when you say she's a counterpoint to Leighton, I think she's more a counterpoint to Luke. Uh, well, it, I mean, Luke and Leighton are, are very similar characters, but in the way that Luke is a little boy who tries to do all this gentlemanly stuff and is really, really uh, soft-spoken and gentle, whereas she is an older, or well, not older, but she is older than Luke, definitely. Right. She's an older woman who doesn't take any shit and kicks people in the balls. And and she's the perfect uh, foil to a person like Luke. And I think that's why he sees her as such a threat when she's talking about how he's Leighton's second assistant. And so, in, like, it's a battle of assistants. And, okay. and in that way, she's more like a foil to Luke than to Leighton. Uh, that may be so in the movie. But in the, you know, that I didn't see, but in the game that I played, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's more about, it's more about, uh, Layton and her, and then Luke is just a major character in the investigation. Okay. Because, you know, they don't have that dynamic yet. There's no, they spend the entire game, uh, not realizing that the, at the end of this, Luke is going to come away and be the apprentice. Oh, okay. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, it's it's Emmy and Leighton, and they're playing off of each other. But then once you bring Luke in, yeah, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is we're both right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well but, that makes me really interested because she's not in the movie a whole lot. She, like, they they end up going on a boat, um, and. And and she's not there. It's only Luke and Leighton. But she kind of brings the cavalry in to to help out. She brings uh, not Chelmy because there's now a new in, new head of Scotland Yard. Since I guess this is the prequel stuff still. Yeah. Uh, I forgot his name. You remember? It's, no. It's kind of no. weird. But he's he's got like this Elvis haircut and and incredible yeah. chest hair. And uh, but. She she brings in the cavalry, and uh, and then starts kicking dudes in junk, and being a real bitch. Um, but I, I look forward to seeing. I look forward to playing Mask of Miracle because I'd, I'd like to see what happens when they're more in their set pattern. That now it's Luke and Layton, and then we also have this Emmy person who's kind of along for the ride. And we know something has to happen to her eventually because she's yeah. not in the subsequent three games. Oh man. She might die. Maybe I I wouldn't put it past it. I didn't. I, I, maybe something happens to her in in Mask of Miracle because any of the trailers I've seen for uh, Super Civilization A, I haven't seen her anywhere. And maybe that's just because I haven't been looking hard enough, or or they haven't shown her yet. But I guess that's an option. If I liked her character a little more. I would be concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's not the best character. Like I like I like Leighton and Luke. Like, I, I mean, I think it's interesting that it's, that Layton is a character who does just awesome shit constantly, but it is part of his personality that, like, like, he can't be a dick about it. It's built into his character that he's not a dick. Yeah. Right? And, and he's just so demure all the time, right? But then you introduce... Emmy, who's kind of the wild card, 
you know, and it's like we have plenty of games and movies about this character. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. So, I mean, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen to the fictional character, but she's not my favorite. Yeah, she she wouldn't be you wouldn't be heartbroken, I guess. Uh, she's more I don't or know. less. I don't know. I didn't expect to care so much a sea monster, but. <laughs> Or an old guy who thinks he's a young vampire. <laughs> well, to, to get to get into the movie a little bit, just some of the plot, um, I, and I won't spoil so much for you because I, I actually think you probably would enjoy the movie hearing about hearing how you feel about most of the games. It's I I didn't I was super excited for the movie, but I wasn't sure it was going to work because it not having the puzzles. I got into the games because I thought the, the animation was really cool and the story didn't really like suck me in to any of these games because well at least not the first one because there wasn't a whole lot of story there uh to unpack but the the movie is is really cool like it's beautifully animated and and just gorgeous to look at but it's it's got a pretty cool story in there and it has, it, it's some. It kind of implements the puzzles, but it implements them in a more mystery novel sort of way. There aren't as many obvious. Here are three pieces of a thing. Put them together to make this other thing happen. Although the very beginning of the movie is a door puzzle, that is exactly that. Oh no! <laughs> they he puts together a sun, a moon, and a star onto a door. And they end up being gears, and it opens the door, and then it zooms out, and you find out they're in Big Ben. So I don't know why Big Ben has some crazy uh, <laughs> astro thing door in it. Uh, Freemasons. But, but apparently it totally does, yeah. Freemasons. <laughs> um, it's the Illuminati. I, hey, it's good, it's good of a thing as any. Unless, you know, they're all still on gas, which could is, could possibly happen. Oh, man. Like, yeah, none of these games happened because they've been on gas the whole time. Makes sense to me. I call him the hat. And he won't take off the hat, so it's going to be happening for a while. <laughs> but the uh, it definitely implements, the movie implements the, the puzzles into it in a much... More natural way, I'd think. Uh, they do when you when you get onto the boat. They it's called uh, Professor Layton and the Eternal Diva, and it's about this opera singer who thinks her friend is still alive, and and there's some things with transferring bodies and transferring memories into bodies. And again, it's it, it has that Layton. Let's trade one twist for another twist, and. It gets it gets weird and crazy, but there is a time in the middle of that movie where it's, hey, we're gonna play a little game, and everybody on this ship is in a in a big game of solving puzzles, and if you don't solve the puzzle, you die, and and Luke and Layton are kind of just solving the puzzles, and some people. Start. I, I would think that if you have this famous guy who is known for solving puzzles, 
you stick with the guy who who can do all that. But some people say fuck that, and we think we know better, and they go off and get killed. I guess you you don't see them later, so <laughs> no, they probably die. Um, but it's just it's a little silly. And then one time Luke comes up with an answer to a puzzle, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, totally." And they go do what he says, and then Leighton is there and says, okay, let's go this way. And Luke goes, but why? The the thing we need to go to is over there. And Leighton's like, oh, well, you know, the actual answer's over here. So, more or less, Leighton just kind of kills all these people by not telling them the real right answer. Um, hmm. I'm sure he... uh... I'm sure he has his reason. I don't know. <laughs> are there hint coins in this movie? There, there are no hint coins, uh, which is very sad. It would have been they're awesome. They're just not looking hard enough. They're in the smokestacks. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, but there are some really, there are some nice references to the to the games uh, when when they're actually in the puzzle solving mode. The there's a voice uh, who's telling them the puzzles, who's the main bad guy, and he's saying, "Oh, it's time for puzzle zero zero one." And it shows up projected on the screen, and it looks exactly like the numbers doing the games. Nice. And and it's just like those little winks and nods that uh, that make you feel kind of warm and fuzzy, and give you that <laughs> little nostalgia. The and, guy, uh, the guy giving all the puzzles that people die if they don't solve. Right. Is it uh, Jigsaw? <laughs> it's not Jigsaw, but uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, who's the enemy in Last Spectre? Is it the guy who's wearing a mask? And, yeah, there's a guy, yeah. And he's got, like, a collar, fur collary guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still kind of behind everything. Uh, and okay. I guess he's kind of the new Don Paolo for this trilogy. Yeah, but Don Paolo wasn't even Don Paolo for that first trilogy. Like, <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, he's the, the main bad guy in the first game. He's not even really in the second game. And in the third game, he ends up helping you. Begrudgingly, but he does. So, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what's up with the new guy, because I haven't played any of his games, but... Uh, like the worst nemesis ever. He seems like he's a, a pretty angry dude. He and, seems a little scarier than Don Paolo, who always just kind of seemed like Wario. Yeah, he. I mean, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy seems like he's a smarter villain. Or at least, you know, able to kind of keep cards close to his vest instead of Don Paolo who's a little more flamboyant about his big machines that shoot bullets and things like that. Well, just kind of hapless, Don Paolo. Yeah. So it's kind of like yeah, it's like this is the real threat. And Don Paolo is Don Paolo is just like the the practice, I guess, or the kind of a red herring. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm more interested the dude just looks like Wario. <laughs> That's pretty much what it comes down to. Well, I you can't deny that. I mean, he he wears purple, so I I feel like uh, he's a little more Waluigi. Oh uh, well, I mean they're equally <laughs> kind of menacing, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I I think we've covered all the games uh, and and the movie. But uh, do we want to? I mean, not, obviously, neither of us have played it since it hasn't come out. But do we want to make any sort of mention about uh, Mask of Miracle or Super Civilization A? Uh, both of these games will be coming out for the 3DS 
Uh, Mask of Miracles is already out in Japan, uh, but it's it's coming out uh, October, so that's next month. Uh, I, I will buy that. I, I will as well. Uh, but I am a little concerned because they're ditching the full 2D, and this is going to be the first Professor Layton game to have 3D polygonal models. And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, it'll still be late. Yeah, and and the cutscenes are still the 2D great stuff that we've seen from Level 5 in the past. But uh, anytime when you're actually in the gameplay, you you see these 3D models. And from the trailers I've seen, they they look like a step down uh, visually. I, I understand why they're doing it. You're on the 3DS. 3D's in the name. You want to feel like you're making a game that can only be made on this new hardware. And... And making 3D models makes some sense, and and they look they look okay, but I feel like they're they're trading off this really great style they have for for something that doesn't work quite as well. But well, I mean, I haven't played the game yet, so maybe they actually pull it off pretty well, and and I'll find out in October. <laughs> but I mean, this is where I tell you that I do not learn anything about a Professor Layton game before it comes out, so I didn't even know they'd done that. <laughs> so, well, I didn't know when it happened. I, I saw some uh, of the trailer stuff they showed at TGS for for uh, Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney and for Legacy of Super Civilization A, um, and, and those both had 3D models, so I wondered if it was the same for Mask of Miracle, and, and it is. Sure enough. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <clears throat> That is, here's the thing, uh, it's still going to be puzzles. That, that there certainly will be. Uh, those puzzles will be pretty good. <laughs> what's your, I mean, what's your take on Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney? How, how do you think that game is going to play? I, I stay, I don't even, well, I don't even care. Like, I just want to <laughs> play it. Well, I don't know, I mean, uh... It's it's a weird because I mean you're you're combining art puzzles with just straight logic, right? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it will even be broken up like. And again, I don't know anything about it, but there will probably be like a latent section where you go around and solve puzzles and gather evidence, and then you will have a trial. Yeah, I, I mean, from the from the short trailer I saw, it, it looked to be that way, uh, but I don't know if you're... I don't know how much they're stirring this pot, right? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how much that Phoenix Wright goes out with Professor Layton and they try to solve puzzles together, or I, I know at one point you see Layton, like, come into a courtroom, but that doesn't mean much. Well, I believe that they are on opposite sides of this trial. That the name would imply. Yes. <laughs> if they are versus. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I'm interested to see what what it's like. But, I mean, I'm happy to just wait and play it because I'm that kind of nerd. Like, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just do it. Yeah. I don't even read reviews. On Layton games because I know what they are. They're Layton games and I love them. Yeah, I, there's, <laughs> it's it's pretty useless. It's like a Dynasty Warriors review, except not always. Except these games are good. Yeah, right? these games these games are good, 
These are a good thing done over and over and over again. But yeah, you can you can really just cut and paste your review because it's going to be the same thing. I, I love the puzzles. Interesting that they added a story. Yeah. Well, well done. Well made. Very what, pretty. How is this going to uh, make me think I might cry <laughs> this time? That's the real mystery. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Evan, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast with me and, and talking about Professor Layton Games. Uh, is there anything that you'd uh, like to plug or tell people where they can find you on the internet? Um, well, uh, let's see. I used to be on a show that you mentioned called This Podcast Contains Spoilers, and you're on it twice. I was, yes. Um, and like that, show's, that show's over. It, but, it is over, but I would say that, that if if somebody's even a little bit interested in what this show might be, that they should really go check it out. Uh, one of the things that I really admire about the show and try to, I, I mean, it's for, for people who don't know, I tried to kind of emulate Evan's style, uh, or at least his show structure for, for this gamers on the go podcast in that you, you talk about one, um, one topic with one guest and you just kind of blow it out and and just discuss it. Like, spoilers, and your show is more of that we can talk about spoilers, and, and I mean, I guess in this one we've avoided a couple spoilers for, for some things, for our own benefits. Yeah. But, uh, but I really like that style. And when I heard that you were ending the show, uh, I felt pretty bad, because I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I am constantly surprised when people say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was too close to it. Yeah, but it was really interesting, and and I, I really liked that you had all these different shows that had completely different topics. There were things that that I hadn't seen or watched or even read, and and when I listened to the show of those, it was like a little discovery of well, now I, I heard these people talk about it. Now I'm interested, and I want to go see that or play that. Well, um, and there were other times where I had already played the game or seen the movie. And now I'm getting all this bonus extra stuff. And and I thought both. I, I, loved, I enjoyed both. Uh, now, you did say the show is over, and I've listened to every episode except for one. And that's the Fez podcast. Uh, for the one reason that I bought Fez and haven't played it yet. And I don't want to get anything spoiled about that experience. Uh, you may or may not. Uh... <laughs> But I did, uh, I did 50 episodes. It's over now. Uh, if you want to listen to this podcast contains spoilers, uh, you can find all 50 episodes, even the ones I should have pulled, um, <laughs> at thispodcast.wordpress.com. Um, yeah, mystery audio file, though. <laughs> which, I don't know, if you want to hear the mystery audio file, which only makes sense if you listen to the final episode. <laughs> Uh, that's probably probably the easiest way to find that is going to twitter.com slash this podcast, and there's just a weird link. But I don't know. That may or may not mean anything. <laughs> what do you think it means? I, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're also an editor at Bitmob. They don't let me edit. Oh, okay. Well, Staff you, writer. Yeah, you write there. I write at Bitmob, and I write at GamesBeat which is the gaming division of VentureBeat.com. Right. Uh, 
where I will be doing more kind of featurey things with occasional news. Mm-hmm. But it's all uh, that's at uh, venturebeat.com slash gamesbeat. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there occasionally. Well, cool. Well, uh, again, I'm honored to have you on here uh, as a big fan of, of your previous podcast work. Uh, and getting to be on your other podcasts, uh, I I feel a great pleasure of having you come on to mine. Um, for anybody who uh, enjoys just general video games, while this podcast is more about um, handheld games, uh, I also do a show called World 8 uh, with a few other Mizzou uh, grads and undergrads. Uh, and we just talk about general video game stuff, uh, news and, and games that came out and what we've been playing kind of things. Occasionally we have a guest on. Um, it's always a little crazy and ridiculous. Evan's been on there once. I was one of those guests. Yeah. We, uh, we discussed, uh, crazy Super Smash Brothers characters. Um. Like Car. <laughs> like Car. Uh, <laughs> one, one of mine was actually Professor Layton. Uh, I think he'll totally show up in the, in at least the 3DS game and hopefully the Wii U is one as well. I think it oh, makes I, sense if they're spreading out to a portable console for that series that they bring in some uh, some characters from their portable series that don't have console releases. And if Phoenix Wright finally got into Marvel vs. Capcom... Yeah, who knows, right? There's hope, there's hope for the hat. <laughs> well, um, anyway, you can find that at world-8.net. Um, you can write to the show on Twitter. It's GOTG Podcast. Uh, you can send us a line on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash GOTGpodcast. Or you can send in an email at GOTGpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, pretty much anything that's GOTGpodcast, that's, uh, that's where you find us. We've got it on lock. Yeah. We don't, we don't have a Flickr page, so if you, if you want to grab that from me, I guess you can. That's all right. There aren't a whole lot of photos. Um, oh, I guess I could do the URL for the whole show. That's uh, tumblr.com. Um, or Tumblr. I don't know how Tumblr works. There might be a slash in there. It's GOTG Podcast. You'll find it. All right. I think it's actually the first uh, result if you just type gamers and then go into Google. Um, so, so do that. <laughs> anyway. You just listen to us talking about mysteries <laughs> for hours. Yeah. God. But here's the twist we were all high on gas the whole episode. I mean, I know I was. <laughs> Evan, I want to thank you for coming on. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>